0: So as we celebrate Veterans Day tomorrow, you know, it made me think a lot about the military, sacrifice, made me think of a a well-organized team, really, across our country that protects us, that provides for us a brotherhood, a, a fighting for a cause that is much bigger than any one person even one of the ads these days that you see on TV, I think it's for the Marines, but it's, it's that cause that's bigger than you. It's fighting for something beyond you. It's, it's not a focus on self, it's a focus on the country and on freedom and on protection and all of that. And I thought, wow, what a great weekend to be preaching this last message in 2 Timothy when Paul talks about partnership and he talks about sacrifice and he talks about teamwork and shows incredible value to partnership in the gospel and what it means to be able to count on other people. And I know in the military, man, you got to count on your, your fellow soldiers, especially when you're in the midst of battle. You got to count on everyone just doing their job, all listening to the commands of the commanding officer, and there can be victory and success. Well, there's so many tie ins this morning, and I think you'll see that as we go. So grab your Bible and open up to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Now we're at the end. So, um, it's been fun t- talking to you about Paul and Timothy, the relationship that they had as Paul, the father in the faith, discipling Timothy to then teach others and as the faith is passed on to Timothy and to the city and these new believers now passed on to us, so much we can learn. And I won't review all of those lessons, but surely you can, you can pick up any of them online or just open up your Bible and just kind of march through again this great book where Paul lays out his heart and lays out. The gospel and the value of the gospel, the cost of the gospel, the empowering that we have because the Holy Spirit lives in us and has sealed us to go out and share the gospel, even when there's opposition or sacrifice, and especially when we face those things. So, this morning, we're going to talk about this partnership. What does it mean to team up for Christ and for His cause, the cause that is much bigger than you and your family and this church and any church? And it's the biggest thing, the most important thing that God is doing in this world. It's the building of his kingdom. And we're told it will be successfully built just exactly how God wants it to be built. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he is doing that in our midst. And you and I are called into partnership together in that cause, that great cause of building the kingdom. So we'll look at a few different verses this morning to see Paul's heart and to be challenged again personally. So we're going to start 2 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 9. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus... I have sent to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. So, Paul is always so transparent and vulnerable, which I love about his writings in scripture. You can relate if you just go, like, well, was there sacrifice? Was there hurt? Was there trouble? Were there challenges? Like, yeah, and Paul was very clear about all those that he faced and how he faced them and what he did in turning to God and building his relationship. And he talks very, very openly about these feelings of loneliness, right? Of being alone, wanting as soon as possible for Timothy to come to him. And he talks about many that, you know, have gone out for the gospel to other cities. And he talks about one guy that deserted him. But one thing you know for sure is Paul highly valued his teammates. He highly valued Luke, Dr. Luke, who was with him, calling of Timothy. He was highly valuing Mark, where he said... um, He is very useful to me in ministry. You might remember back in Acts 15 when Mark once deserted Paul while he was on his first missionary journey taking the gospel out to those that had yet not heard. But apparently Mark had really matured in the faith since then. Remember Paul and Barnabas had a disagreement about the use of John Mark because he had deserted him on that journey but he had matured in the faith over the years, and now he could be really helpful to Paul. And Paul said, Timothy, you've got to come to me soon. There aren't many left. i got Luke here, but come to me and bring John Mark. Bring Mark, because he's helpful to me in ministry. So we see this incredible value that Paul places on gospel teamwork. And he often writes in his letters about this gratefulness for partnership in the gospel, doing ministry together with brothers and sisters in Christ. Prison, for Paul, reframed how he would function. He's in a Roman prison as he writes this letter and many of his letters. Yeah, he had to do that differently because he didn't have that freedom. And yet he said, but the word of God is not chained. And he knew the power of the word of God as it would go out to others and be carried to others and yet be carried to others. He knew he needed to train up brothers and sisters in Christ to carry the word, and he was cognizant of that as he went from city to city and on these journeys, identifying brothers and sisters that were partners in the gospel so that the work of evangelism could be done so people could hear about Christ and the hope that's in Christ alone in this world, and then be discipled and trained up and go out and do that with others. But now he's sitting in this cold Roman cell at the end of his life, really is his last words here, saying, come, need the encouragement, Bring some stuff with you. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you gotta come. We gotta talk about partnership. He probably wanted to instill in them this incredible vision of the kingdom once again, maybe for the last time. He didn't know how long he had left. But he understood it was vital to continue to disciple and build relationship with those that could share in the gospel going out. And we take that very seriously at this church. You know, we understand the leadership model that God has given us in Scripture with qualified elders who are supposed to equip others to share in the work of ministry. One of the key things we're called to do is to equip you guys. So if we build a church and you're not equipped and you don't understand your gifts and you're not serving somewhere with incredible joy and fulfillment, it's kind of on us. And it's on you. You've got to step into it. But we've got to kind of lay that out. We've got to help build you up and equip you and tell you Regularly, you deeply matter to God, and He wants you to partner with the other people in this church wholeheartedly for Him. Well, you don't have to do that, you can choose not to, but you won't be fulfilled, and it's not the design that God has commanded you to walk in. But you can turn and say, Okay, so Lord, I want to be equipped, I want to get alongside these other elders and deacons, these life group leaders, these Bible study leaders, these Sunday school teachers, these ministry leaders and really all these different ministry roles by every description along or uh, at this church and say, now I need to partner. I need to, to get in. It's that important. There's someone who's lonely that needs me to come. There's a ministry that only I can fill through my gifting and personality and background and strengths and weaknesses. There's no one just like me, so there's gotta be a place in the church just for me in that team, in that group, serving or leading or teaching or giving mercy or compassion or faith or whatever it is. I just love, you know, Paul's heart. It's all about partnership in the gospel. And unashamedly, and he says it's, it's, it's the thing to do if you're a believer. And he knows nothing compares to it. We could chase the world, as he talks about Demas. That's going to get you in trouble. That'll end in regret and brokenness in your own heart. There'll be a day where you'll have to face all of that waywardness and sin, and he's trying to spare us from that. But he says, join, partner, come alongside as one big family. And so that's what we have always attempted to do here at this church, in obedience to the Lord. We're one big family. I hope you feel that. We're one big family, and family matters. You can't kind of come and go on family you have to make a commitment. You have to say, Lord, you're the head of this church. You're the head of this family. I get to partner. Where am I partnering? It's hugely important. So we as a family, we share the bills of this church. Remember when I shared a few months ago, we went into some lean times coming out of summer. People were on vacation forgetting to you know, bring their normal offering. So Boy, you guys responded to that encouragement and that challenge. To remember, we share the bills in this family. No one's bankrolling the church. It is all of us. So all of us partner together, and yes, we do. We, we share the bills of these lights and the air conditioning and the nice seat you're sitting in and our outreach opportunities and supporting our missionary and our gospel partners and all the ministries and the staff of this church. So we want to encourage you, and we do thank you, but we encourage you to continue on. We share the ministry. We share the outreach. We share the joys and the sorrows together. Oftentimes, people only want so much connection with the church, so it's all about joy for them. And I would say, wow, that's only half the story. And you're missing out on God using you. Because if it's all about what you get and not about, oh, someone's got sorrow or hurt or a need, and I could come and help, your your heart's not going to be fulfilled. Your heart doesn't get fulfilled by just thinking about what something's doing for you, right? That's part of it. What am I receiving? Is the word being taught? Is the worship something I can relate to? But then how am I, as I'm getting filled up, how am I pouring out? Even as Paul said, I pour myself out as a drink offering. We talked about that last week. So commitment in partnership together so we can celebrate the victories together. So we can celebrate breakthroughs when someone breaks through an addiction or through a sadness or through a lack of maybe apathy toward God, a lack of passion all of a sudden. They, we celebrate the fact that they've now become excited about God, that they've experienced a healing or a restoration in their life or their marriage. We celebrate those miracles. We celebrate salvation and baptism. We celebrate the glorious fruit of Christ-like character in people's lives. And we do it together. And you have a piece of it. That's you. That's, this is like your family. So as you partner in, you get to celebrate The sorrows, but you get to celebrate also the great joys and the victories of the Lord in people's lives. And you know your own life. You have sorrows and joys, right? You have challenges and great celebrations. That's just normal. So when you do it together, everyone gets lifted and you feel like, man, people know my name. People know my life. They're supporting me, unless you kind of don't want them to know your name in your life. And then that's a deeper question you really want to ask before the Lord why don't I? What's going on? And the Lord will meet you in that place in love to point you back to himself and back into partnership. So it is daily partnership. It's weekly partnership. It's month by month and year by year. It includes the peaks and the valleys. And we do that with people like you, much like you, and people very different from you, yet all equally loved and equally valuable to God's work here. Humble, humble. Partners together for Christ. Humble partners together for Christ. Not because they're just like you, not because, oh, well, their personality or they're this, you know, is a little different. I wouldn't do it like that, or oh, I don't really like them as much. Like, oh, yeah, we're not necessarily going to be everyone's best friends, but we say, wow, what an incredible family, instead of one entree, what about all these entrees, what about the buffet, what about all the veggies, and the the healthy, and the dark greens, the whole, as they say, you're supposed to eat the rainbow every day, I just read that, I'm like, okay, (laughs) to think about that, and go like, yeah, and we just go like, wow, we have so many different people from different cultures, and walks of life, and personalities, and not everyone's your cup of tea, and that's okay, you should go praise God, because I'm not it, I'm not perfect. Like, people should be like, more like me. I would say, no, don't be more like me. Be more like Jesus. And so the expectation gets totally changed. Now I'm a servant to others, not because they reinforce me or they're like me or they won't disappoint me or they have a different personality than me. See what I mean? A healthy body of Christ are people partnering together over the joys and the sorrows and making much of Jesus Christ using their gifting, equal ownership, equal partnership, humble partners together for Christ. Are you connected to this church in humble partnership? And then we see in those last couple verses some real practical stuff. So Paul instructs Timothy to bring his cloak, books, and parchments. Commentators speculate exactly what he's referring to there. Uh, Original copies of his letters or materials for future letters. Some even think materials for... For making tents, and I was like, oh, okay, bringing something, you could do that in prison? I, I don't know. But commentators don't really know for sure. But important personal items that Paul said, hey, Timothy, when you bring John Mark, don't forget those two. And the cloak, there's a real practical one prison was cold. So Paul had spiritual, emotional, and physical and practical needs, and was very comfortable expressing all of those to his friends. I think that's another good example for us. You have emotional and practical and physical and spiritual needs, don't you? Are you comfortable expressing those to others like Paul was? Humbly just saying, oh, I could use some company. I need a friend right now. I, I need you to pray for me. Could you help serve in this area? I-, 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 I need partnership more. And could you pray for me spiritually to have victory in this area? And we just open our heart a little more humbly toward one another. A great example. Paul is all about partnership, partnership in the gospel. And as a church, I pray we would continue on and even more so with everyone feeling like they're part of God's great work and his great kingdom cause here. Let's continue, verse 14. But in this partnership and in this moving the gospel out and serving one another and serving a community, many who, who don't yet know Christ, We should expect opposition. That's what he starts talking about here in verse 14. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May not be charged against them. It's interesting, he names him Alexander the coppersmith. He did us great harm and opposed the gospel. Beware of his influence. So Paul first warns about him in his first letter to Timothy, in 1 Timothy, saying that Alexander made a shipwreck of his faith. But he said, instead of trying to exact revenge on Alexander, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to do something. I have a way of bullying them, shaming them. (laughs) getting on Instagram or tweeting or something against them. I could say something to another person that would hurt them or lower them. And I think maybe those are examples of how we do it these days. Or worse. But the Lord, but Paul said, Lord, I put him in your hands. The Lord will repay. I will let God bring justice. We just know to be careful of Alexander, the one who shift-directed his faith and was bringing harm and opposition to the gospel. Like we see in Hebrews 10.30, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You and I can trust that. That's why God says to forgive. And even with your enemies, you're not supposed to hate them. You're not supposed to talk ill. You're not supposed to you know, gossip about them. You're supposed to actually love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's such a reversal in this culture. When was the last time you had that come across your feed? Pray for them. They're persecuting you or your faith. Love them and put them in the Lord's hands. And if there's someone like an Alexander, Lord, you repay him. Is there anyone in your life right now that you are seeking revenge against when you should be putting them in God's hands? I think that's a good question to make sure our hearts clean before the Lord in that area. And then Paul recalls his trial and defense before the Roman officials that no one came to his support to advocate for him. I can't imagine the emotions that he had because of that. There was strong persecution of Christians at the time. It wasn't long after the fire In Rome, in about A.D. 64, when Nero falsely blamed that fire on Christians. So as a result, much more persecution, sharp persecution came against the believers, especially those in Rome. So standing with Paul would surely put their life on the line. It surely would. It would create much fear and apprehension to even speak as a Christian, that you are even a Christian, let alone try to go to Paul and encourage him let alone try to show up at his trial and say, yes, I agree with him and I am with him. What an incredible thought that when he needed his friends the most, they had too much fear to respond in faith. But like Jesus, remember Jesus in the garden and then at his arrest, all his disciples did what? What did they do? They deserted him. Like Jesus, with his disciples, Paul, with his gospel partners that shook in fear and should have had more faith, and they didn't, Paul said, Lord, don't, and I pray you wouldn't hold that against them. Basically saying, forgive them, like Jesus said, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do, when he was hung on that cross and looked down at those who put him there. So good question for us. Who do you need to forgive and extend love towards? maybe even someone in the ministry, someone in a church. And that can sometimes be the most bitter and most hurtful, is you hold on to something of a, with another believer and you, you haven't let it go and it, it's affecting your choices and your mindset and your conversations and you know your own heart. And it's, it's, it's not right before God and you know it. So you're like, Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. Or, Lord, I don't know if it's me forgiving. It's you. It's, it's Forgive me for what I've done, God. It's probably more that. Forgive me for my attitude, my bitterness, my lack of love toward them because I've judged them and they're different than... Like, it really could be more of that, don't you think? So often we think, oh, no, it's all... If there was a sin there, we still are called to forgive them for that. So uh, opposition can come, and unfortunately at times, the opposition can feel like it's from other believers, But whether it is or not, the response is the same. Forgiveness, grace, trust, believing the best, as 1 Corinthians 13 says about love. Boy, we need to review those verses about what love is. Not our own definition, not what's comfortable for us, but what God says love is, and we're supposed to love one another. It's patient and it's kind, and it doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And it's forgiving and it's full of grace and mercy. Like, wow, those, those are like, it endures all things. Like, woo, I'm not real enduring with people. I just want to write them off and judge them and push them aside and move on. Like, you know, if, that, if that's how we are, we need to bring that to the Lord. There is opposition. There are those that will be shipwrecking their faith and want to shipwreck yours. There'll be those that are just struggling in their own hurts with their own issues and it affects us and we need to have Grace and then surely for ourselves. But specifically with Demas. He says, Demas has shipwrecked his faith because he loved the world. That's a whole sermon. He loved the world. Seemed like he loved Jesus, but the draw of the world was so strong, he just went after the world. Well, we see that these days, don't we? People have no room in their heart for God because they give their worship and their love to the world. It's pleasures, it's privileges, it's pride, and it simply leaves no room in their heart to worship God. But there are some that are turning back. They've gone down the road of pleasure at whatever cost, having admitted that it has beaten them up, left them hurting, regretting, empty, addicted. Sin is a cruel taskmaster, isn't it? For some, it takes years or even a lifetime of searching and pain before they turn back to God. For some, they never turn back. For others, by God's grace, they have discovered the emptiness of life without God and have cried out to Him for rescue. And when a person does that, everything can change once they've been convicted of their sin before a holy God and realize they have a need for forgiveness and a new life and ask Christ to give them those. When the Holy Spirit enters someone's life, everything starts to change for the better. Now God starts to shape the person's character as a potter shapes the clay into a useful vessel. Remember earlier in the book, we talked about the honorable vessel and the dishonorable vessel. And we can be an honorable vessel if we leave the dishonorable choices and thoughts and actions and love of the world and say, God... I want to be an honorable vessel that you can fill and use. The potter who's shaping us once we've received Christ or we've turned back to him. Instead of worshiping things of the world or ourself as if we're the center, we put Christ back on the throne in our heart, his rightful place. And we say, Lord, what would you have of me this day? You have given me the breath in my lungs. I want to live for you, not for self, not for pleasure, not for my agenda, but for the king, for the kingdom. Is that you today? Maybe it's your day to turn back. Maybe you've never turned to Christ from your sin and just living really as if you were God or your pleasures or your needs or whatever was God, like that ruled your life, that's your focus, it's it's all about you now and then you next week and your future and how you're building it and God's not a part of that. Before God, a holy God, that's sin. It's waywardness. It's not loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's other sin that we wrestle with, and lying, and you know, and lust, and lack of love, and murder, and all the other things are listed in Scripture. And we have to confess those. So any and all of those we bring to God, which is our sin, and we say, God, forgive us. Come into my life. Start shaping me now as my heavenly father, as the heavenly potter over this clay. And he sends his spirit into us to forgive us and give us a new heart and start the great new creation right at the moment of that prayer. Is that you today? Maybe you've wandered off and the clay has gotten hard and the Lord's calling you back and the washing of the water of the word is softening you and your heart and your life again this moment. Praise God for that. Just continue to remain before him and his word and the softness will change your heart and your relationships and your responses and even your desires will start to change and become more glorifying and honoring to God. So yes, there's opposition. Yes, there are people that have dropped their relationship with God and run hard after the world or they try to pretend that they're still really following God but they're all about their pleasure and the world and they're shipwrecking their faith but God's calling us. He's calling us back to himself through repentance of sin, repentance of our waywardness, back to softness, surrender, and willingness to love God and his ways. That's you today. Call out from your heart to the Lord. Ask him to come in and reshape and soften, forgive, and then be excited and passionate about this God that would do such a thing for you when you know you don't deserve it, and neither do I. And yet he gives it to us. Partner in the gospel together. Expect opposition. Don't be surprised when others are loving the world and they don't have any room in their heart to worship or love God because you yourself have those times where you wrestle with that, right? But we can know that there can be a rescue from that constant battle to be rescued into his forgiving presence and then strengthened by his spirit to live differently. And that's where he goes next, and he ends here, these last few verses, starting in verse 17, even though there's the opposition, this is what he says, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message may be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. What a powerful statement that is. Paul's vulnerably throwing his heart out. Don't you appreciate it when people are that honest and that vulnerable, saying, I'm lonely, you got to come. you got to come encourage me, and I'll encourage and equip you. We're doing this together. And there's opposition, and it's really hard. But you know what? Even when people have deserted me, and at that trial, when I stood all by myself, I really wasn't all by myself. The Lord stood by me and strengthened me. When all others had deserted Paul in his greatest time of need, Jesus stood with him. Paul had already learned that his strength wasn't from himself. It was was found in Christ. He could relate to Jesus in the garden when the disciples did that, deserted him. He surely had many opportunities to continue to relate, but to also find his strength in the Heavenly Father to bear it and to walk through it. Maybe the Apostle Paul was thinking back on Isaiah 41.10 where the prophet wrote, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. Paul knew the Old Testament very well. I believe those verses had to have encouraged him. Paul could have been fearful and dismayed, couldn't he have? If anyone could say, I'm fearful and dismayed, discouraged or depressed, not sure what's going to happen next. Am I going to live or die literally today? Paul could relate. And Paul understood that God holds me with his victorious right hand. Do you understand that same promise for you? We know that Paul, in many of his letters, wrote about this strength that's found in Christ. In Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, through Christ. And in Romans 8.31, Paul writes, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then in 2 Corinthians 12.9, God said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And the context of that last verse was Paul asking for an illness situation in his life we don't know what it was to be healed and he asked God three times and God said no to the healing now he got it in heaven we know because he has a glorious new body we will have a glorious new body when Christ is res- resurrected but in his physical body on the earth Jesus said my grace will be sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in your weakness These are great promises, aren't they? Are these great promises just for Paul or are they great promises for you? A, B, or all the above? (laughs) I'd say all the above. Yes, they were great promises for Paul and he needed the strength of Christ, huge. He needed to know God is for me even though I'm in a prison, even though I've been beaten and stoned to death, even though I've been shipwrecked out on the sea a night and a day, Lacking food, lacking people to encourage me, even though I know God is for me, I know Christ will strengthen me through all things, and I know his grace will be sufficient for me, but we can know the same promises in our life. Paul understood that he was strengthened for one great purpose above all others, to get the gospel out to the Gentiles so many of them could be saved. Paul declares that he had been rescued from the lion's mouth. We don't really know what he was referring to there. The the text doesn't tell us that. It could have been referring to Emperor Nero, who was bringing the persecution against the Christians at that point, and that he was still alive. Was that the rescue? Or the devil, who's called in Scripture a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Or the actual death by being thrown to the lions like many Christians were. It's not clear, but one thing is clear. Paul knew that he was continually rescued by God so that he was able to get the word out to the Gentiles before his death, whether in a prison or not. Paul realized that God would determine when it would be his last day and when God would choose to bring him home. Until that day, he would be faithful to the call, that he would love people and love God and make sure they understood that there was a rescue and forgiveness in Christ and in Christ alone. So let me ask you, what lion are you facing right now that threatens to discourage or destroy your faith? Something that you think will defeat you is trying very hard to defeat you, to shipwreck you, to tempt you. Have you identified that in honesty? Is it the lion of financial fear? The lion of addiction or lust? The lion of anger and bitterness? The lion of superior mindedness and judgmentalism? The lion of sickness? The lion of loneliness and discouragement? The lion of abuse or unhealed wounds? There are many lions that would want to tear us apart make us bitter in our heart or apathetic toward God, but we can face those lions in the strength of Christ with the God who is with us and for us, who will stand by us in the midst and give us new victory and daily victory and ultimate victory. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. So, these verses tell us we've got to think clearly. We've got to be sober minded. We have to recognize and admit the lions that attack us, and we need to resist the lion. We need to resist the devil. We need to resist self pity and stand firm in our faith and in the promises of God, many that we've rehearsed today. And we do that alone or with other believers? Do we do it alone or with other believers? We do it with other believers, and we do it together. We partner together in all the realities of walking with God in this world with clay feet, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. We don't stand alone. Jesus stands with us, and we stand together. And I want to finish, you know, that little story in Daniel 3 where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to worship the golden image. And the king said, all right, we're throwing you into the fiery furnace. And they were thrown in. They were bound and thrown in. And then they noticed they weren't being burnt. They were free walking around and there was someone with them. An angel of the Lord and many believe it was Jesus himself. Pre-incarnate Jesus. What a great picture. What a great promise and story to remember that when the fire gets hottest, when the lions are fiercest, we don't fight them alone. We fight the good fight together in the strength of the Lord. We will have victory Many people think, you know, with Paul, oh, but look what happened. He got beheaded. Yeah, and he was taken safely until that moment, and that was God's moment, and that was God's method to bring him home. And there was victory, and he knew he was looking forward to a crown of righteousness to all that loved his appearing. And Paul was living, loving this idea that Christ would return and redeem his world and all those that love him and make all things right. And he surely was enjoying his reward and is now. So let's review. God calls us to partner in the gospel to expect opposition, but also that the Lord stands by us to strengthen us so that we can. Here are a couple of questions to take with you today. Who are you partnering with in the gospel? How will you respond when others... Oppose you because of the gospel? And thirdly, where do you need, in what area of your life do you need to remember that the Lord stands by you to strengthen you? What a great book this is! What an incredible challenge to look at the life of Paul, to look at the life of Timothy that was concerned for the welfare of others more than themselves. That's why Paul, I think, was such a great partner to him, and, and Timothy was to him. He was more concerned for the fellowship of more people to come in to the family of Christ, more for their interest, living for the glory of the gospel. And a great reminder as we end this book and end this series to jump into partnership if we're not yet there, to not be thrown off by opposition wherever it is or anyone that's different than us and give grace and love our enemies and pray for them and embrace them and serve them and actually initiate love toward them. Now we're living the gospel. When it's hardest and you don't feel like it and not with that person, we actually do. The gospel becomes alive in you and the Holy Spirit is unleashed. Talking about a lion... When the Holy Spirit is released in your life, the power of God himself to make you more and more like Christ, shaped in his image, molded by the potter, sent out into this world as an honorable vessel. That's our calling. What a great calling. What a great privilege. And to do it together. I couldn't think of a better way to spend my life. How about you? Let's do that. Let's spend our life for the glory of God. Jason's going to come on back up and we're going to worship more and worship's always an opportunity to tell God yes Lord (laughs) I do worship you and thank you for what I heard and help me to live and and just praise him and then pray in your seats you know just cry out to God from your heart and if you haven't received Christ and now's your moment God has led you to this moment to this day here to receive Christ don't resist the work of his spirit just open your heart ask him to forgive you so let's go to prayer let's go to the Lord Father, we're grateful for this time and your word for speaking to us for your strength in the Apostle Paul and Timothy and many, many others that have gone before us, brothers and sisters that have carried the torch of the gospel of Christ faithfully in their generation, not perfectly, but faithfully coming back when they've fallen down to continue on. And Lord, that's us. We want to continue on. Strengthen us where we're weak, be our strength, Remind us, you stand by us at every turn, at every moment. And you will strengthen me, give me victory, give me more hope. You'll encourage my life. You'll pour wisdom into my decisions because that's who you are. Thank you, Lord. To be an honorable vessel fit for your use. Tell them that if that's your desire, Lord. I want to be an honorable vessel. I want to more deeply partner with others in the gospel here in this church, in this family. I don't want to do a little or a little less or a little less and then fade away. I want to press in and do more and a little bit more and partner in greater ways because more people have to be reached. And this light can be even brighter in this community through this church. So Lord, me with the others here. Thank you, Lord. Strengthen me as I step out in faith. You don't know Christ, cry out from your heart for his mercy and his forgiveness right now, your sin, and he will forgive you. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my life. Wash me of my sin. Give me a new heart. I want to be a new creation in Christ, a child of God. Lord, accept me through your son, Jesus, and he will. Thank you, Lord. Now strengthen each person that's prayed their prayer. And all of us that have walked with you for some time, Lord, may we be even more fruitful for you in the days ahead. Lord, receive our worship now. It's for you.